0: Talking Cure, Conversations with Jed Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University.
1: Hello, Montclair. (laughs) Am I glad to be here or what? The theme of this conversation is opposites attract. And I'm here with um, venerable artists of unimaginable creative talent. Uh, Anne Bogart, Elizabeth Streb, and the great playwright Chuck Me. So let's start this conversation. Miss Bogart, You've invented theater, created theater in ways that I have had both um, amazing moments of revelation and deeply personal re-evaluations of why I'm even interested in theater. Um, So Elizabeth Streb um, has taken the word dance and torn it apart, twisted it around, and jettisoned it into the future. And and Mr. Me writes the most beautiful language I have ever heard. None of this fits. (laughs) Why? Why are you three here? Why are you bedeviling me with your creative inspiration?
2: Well, this is Anne answering Jed Wheeler, who (laughs) is probably um, one of the most... um, uh, innovative, risk-taking producers that we have in the world right now. And I just want to say here at Montclair, you can see things that people are scared to bring into Manhattan because (laughs) they don't know what will happen if they do bring them. So I think, first of all, I just want to say the reason it's happening is because of Jed Wheeler. Because the three of us had been scheming, Chuck and Elizabeth and myself, but we And we, we, we schemed to the point of, like, who's going to produce this idea we have? And we called Jed because he was the first person who came to mind. And he came into the Soho, uh, NoHo Star restaurant, which doesn't exist anymore, for a meeting with us. And the first thing he said is, well, this is a no-brainer. We're doing it, so what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> so I would say the reason we're together is because Jed had faith and trust and I'll tell you there's a lot of producers who do not have faith and trust they want certain guarantees so it's, it's it was a risky move uh, and, and, and as you can tell from his extraordinary words about each of us which I don't take lightly he, he believes in us and he it was c- curious to find out what happens if you put these three uh, chemicals together
1: is combustibles Combustibles. The combustibles. That's, <laughs> the good, combustibles. Yeah, that's, that's what great. we. Should
2: but you know, going back to the beginning, <coughs> I would say it's actually Chuck's fault. So let's let's turn oh, to Chuck, Chuck. Lee
1: because it's his fault. Oh, Chuck, uh, what's your responsibility here?
0: I'm glad to be at fault. Um, well, Elizabeth and I met at a dinner party, and of uh, a mutual friend, and had a really nice conversation, and said, "Oh, we should have we should have lunch sometime. Not to talk business, just for the fun of it." And so we went out to lunch.
1: Was it NoHo Star?
0: No, it was the Smith Restaurant across the street from Lincoln Center. (laughs) Um,
1: whoa, that was upscale. I mean, really.
0: But as we're having, I got taken
1: to NoHo Star, and you guys were actually having (laughs) meals at the Smith. That's how we we are. um, Really, had I I known? Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're so fancy. (laughs) But we, having lunch, I, I just, I couldn't. Keep myself from thinking. Uh, and I said to Elizabeth, Oh, Elizabeth, you know what would be fantastic is your dancers are flying through the air and it's amazing and fantastic and ecstatic, exquisite and scary and horrible. And then there are a few actors standing around talking about love. And she said, Oh. I'd love to do that, but you know, I don't work with actors. We would need a director to work with some actors. I, I only work with my dancers. I said, oh, how about Ann Bogart? She said, oh, I've always wanted to work with Ann Bogart. So I had my iPhone in my pocket. I took it out, dialed Ann's number, and said, hi, Ann. Conversation I had with Elizabeth. Anne said, oh, I'd love to do that. So that's how easy it is to make a wonderful piece of theater.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for you to say. <laughs> right. So, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. talk about the danger of stepping out of your comfort zone. Well, it is, it is dangerous, but
3: because of Chuck's work and Ann's work um, and you at the helm, Um, I wasn't at all nervous or scared and I felt that um, I would invent uh, a mechanism that somehow could in an errant manner wield, weld put us together and connect us because we would be having a common physical experience and that that's where the guck machine idea came from that we'd have 55 buckets five gallon buckets in the air with strings hanging down in a huge 110 gallon tank in the middle and each one would have different materials in it like like honey which got expunged early on but it also the milk got expunged but um, mylar confetti flour sugar um, don't forget molasses, molasses juju beads um, paintballs um, and you would pull a string and everything would start to cascade down and it would affect each dancer Doing the moves and oh, those two bowling balls swinging back and forth, and everyone would be doing what they're doing with Chuck's beautiful words and Ann's amazing direction to make this cohesive, and the dancers avoiding the balls and the actors avoiding the balls, the swinging bowling balls, and pulling, pulling, pulling until the accumulation on the floor became mildly untenable, and a normal human being in each category would say, "We have to stop. It's getting dangerous. Everyone's slipping." But You don't stop because this is life. And for me, although I don't really attach myself to the word metaphor, Anne Bogart has more or less forced me to adopt the word metaphor because I think that these are the conditions. I'm creating the physical conditions where everyone there um, has to really keep on going and not let these mildly human, horrible things that are happening to them interrupt their focus uh, within the combination of those three amazing, amazing um, ideas. Words, direction, action, danger.
1: So yeah, And I when you it's... heard about the guck machine for the first time, what did you think? What, what did you want to do with the guck machine? guck machine is no small object. This is a, a very domineer, dominant, domineering theatrical conceit.
2: I was privileged to follow uh, Elizabeth's train of thought that led us to the gut machine. I mean, she always had in mind something that would come down from above that would impede movement and action. But there were also ideas in the beginning like a massive rock that would, I think our uh, Leon Ingelsrud, one of the actors in the City Company, said to me yesterday, so I'm not pushing a rock. <laughs> because in the beginning there was this idea that he would spend the entire piece trying to push an impossible rock. There were a lot of ideas. There was also in the beginning, and uh, this is getting around to answering your question, Jed, but how would we get the guck up there? We had we had talked about oh, ladders. Yes. We had like 50 people, uh, extras, just carrying buckets up and filling buckets. I mean, yeah, we had... Yeah. So it was a process that led to one of the most glorious machines I've ever seen on stage. You come into the theater, and we don't have a front curtain, so you'll see when you sit down this extraordinary uh, machine that has never existed in the world before. And but to answer your question, of course, guck makes me nervous, but nerves are a good thing. I don't do a project unless it makes me sufficiently nervous mm-hmm. because there's the, a the sense that I can't do it. The actors in City Company were terrified of the guck machine at first, conceptually. Once they met the dancers and they they started getting seduced, and now they just love getting gucked. I think. I mean, I think they. I, <laughs> they, they, I don't know. They wouldn't agree if I said they loved it, but they they have an appetite for it. So, it. But I ha, I will say, the other day, uh, we were working because there are scenes, you know, Chuck Meese scenes. And the actors have figured out strategic ways to pull the strings that let guck come down from 15, 18 feet? What is it? Uh, Uh, 20. 20 feet above them. And so that in the middle of a scene, they can suddenly have a bunch of molasses fall on them. And they have found ways to make that really entertaining and also funny and also poignant. And I realized the other day, I thought, God, no set designer would ever have built something that gives us this freedom to actually have Guck fall on top of us in the middle of a scene. For me, the um, the, the, the attraction of it, though, is that life is Guck. And I think mm. the message of the piece, if I'd say, you know, uh, what would we hope that an audience leaves with, which is the... Um, the the appetite for allowing guck to happen in your life because without letting the guck come on you you don't really experience the world we as we get older we tend to avoid the guck of living the the discomfort and the the mess but i hope that it is a celebration of guck and the fact that there can be real alchemy and and communion between people who allow the guck into their worlds and um, I-
3: and, and I also think that it's going to become a while The guck machines are going to start to populate all over the world, and everyone is going to want one. Well, this guck because, machine is
1: definitely extraterrestrial, I'll tell it you. It is
3: extraterrestrial, but, but the idea of being willing, you have to practice so hard to fight against your desire to not get gucked. So the dancers, I mean, we'd love to just swing the balls and avoid them, and the actors would like to say their words and do their pathways, but you have to pull those cords because... Otherwise, there are these forces inside of you that demand that you do not pull them. So the practice and the technique of this odd thing of pulling these cords as you pass them really requires an enormous um, capacity to um, go ahead and forget what happens after you pull those cords and just deal with it.
0: Well, as you see, the piece is totally realistic. I mean, it's all about love, 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 and we think when about love that that's... Uh, a sweet couple uh, spending time together. Uh, but really, uh, love is about guck and uh, beautifulness and amazingness and horribleness and awfulness and uh, dreadfulness and everything else, too. So uh, this is just Love, 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 love is what I think.
1: Well, one of the things that that makes this work like this exciting, of course, because I have no idea what it's going to be until it it becomes something, is to make a discovery, uh, find a surprise. Um, And actually, Chuck, the surprise, and I don't mean this in any other way than I'm about to phrase it, the surprise was your text, um, which is very straightforward in the sense that when there's not a, Guck machine, you know that we're dealing with, um, you know, or a uh, an array of images that theatricalized by the city company, but the intimacy of your language in the context of, I guess, when we're talking about the Guck machine, I found in in as I was listening and watching, emotionally fulfilling. In a way that I had not expected, in the context of this piece, it was, you know, um, it's quite brilliant. I mean, um, and, and, and to have worked through, you have you just gave an extraordinary de- description of the physicality, the power, you know, of falling and loving, and the creative process, and the clashes and stuff. But at the end of the day. You know, there's, there are two men standing on stage, um, and one is talking about having met the other for the first time, and it was a moment of love. It, it, uh, you know, despite all of the things that we're talking about, the grandeur, the, the clashes, the, the, the powerful physical activities, the threats, you know, all comes down to a moment of recognition between two people that see something for the first time that was a big mm-hmm. surprise mm-hmm. and big then molasses
0: surprise. falls on their head well. and then it's really realistic
1: yeah but you know it's it's an it's it is a, it is life in all of its capacities
2: i think you point out something that does make the the production quite extraordinary because you have something which Elizabeth didn't mention is the fact that not only are the dancers pulling strings, but they're flying through the air and having high impact moments. So you have this and then on one extreme and the other, as you point out, you have a very human relationships happening, like little glimpses you might have as you walk down the street of little relationships. It's not like there's characters that necessarily play through in a sort of Aristotelian drama. But you get these little fragments of very human moments, which allows you to, uh, to feel the impact of, the, uh, of, of all of the physical things that the dancers are doing and the actors, to some extent. Um, and, and so it's, it's that spectrum from the very, very human, the relationships that they're in, to the extraordinary feats of, of action.
3: Well, Also, I, I wanted to um, throw in that my, my notice, what I've noticed about theater and, and certainly dance over these um, 35 years is that people worry, uh, and they don't announce that they're worrying, but I can see the worry about themselves, about not going too far, close to the edge, about keeping a very rigid border between them and anything catastrophic or mildly catastrophic. That could possibly happen to them and and streb has always been interested in well well really if you examine it how close could you get to that edge and i bet your toes could even step off of that edge and you would still be okay because what would you do you'd invent techniques that helped you navigate those foreign territories that are critical to making anything new and developing vocabulary that you would never have considered before. And we get inured to what we're told, like don't come into a theater and mess it up, Um, you can't get hurt, Uh, you can't... So I think that our Strebs vocabulary is to ask everybody to uh, agree to get a little hurt and to risk even more than you did the last time. And these people are doing this wild and crazy, as Anne mentioned, swinging, bowling ball, dance, landing, landing, and knowing where the safe zones are, but they're only safe for a half a second, then they get up and go somewhere else. As they're pulling these cords, and here's the critical part of this that has surprised even me, is that things happen, like they slip. They, their feet go out from under them, and these balls are coming, coming at them. And something happens that is not controllable, and it increases to be uncontrollable as the time goes on. And I've never made something that you couldn't wrest a technique out of it. This has chaos involved in it. And for me, that's what um, life is about, the unexpected moment. And you can't predict it ever again because the guck starts to coagulate and mix up on the ground in a way that isn't 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 tabulated in any sense so that you're able to avoid this area or that area or don't pull that string because they don't know what they're pulling and they don't know what's coming coming from above onto them.
1: But it's a but it is a highly choreographed creative endeavor Com-
3: completely you know
1: okay. this is this is this is accidental ideas maybe accidental practices but it's unbelievably well thought out Isn't that you know it may look chaotic
3: it, it, it is chaotic it yeah. is really it is chaotic because when you put the um, Mylar confetti with the water and the sugar, well, the sugar helps you, but the water and the molasses, it's a slip zone. It's a slip zone. No matter how sure-footed you are, you're gonna, your legs are going to fly out from under you, and you're not even going to expect it. Well, I'm
1: glad to hear the actors are acclimating.
3: Oh, I was
1: very worried about them <laughs> because this, it's so different. I mean, injury is... I mean, you have six um, extreme action people who get up in the morning and understand that uh, something's going to happen to them physically, and they're good, but they're going to have to get up the next morning. Actors are a little different um, in the context of wanting to protect their instrument.
2: Yes. I will say one of the reasons that I'm a big believer in collaborations like this and find more value in it than staging a play is that we are altered by each other. Now from Chuck mm. we learned something very specific and it happened when we were doing his show Bob Rauschenberg America and, and, and Chuck would be in the room and I would turn to him and I'd say uh, is this right? Because the playwright's in the room and he'd say well does it feel good to you? And I go, Feeling good has nothing to do with that. Because <laughs> City Company and myself are all about suffering. You know, we thought if it doesn't hurt, if it's not disciplined, then we're not doing anything right. What Chuck taught us was delight. And my mm. my company really took that on, and now delight is one of the rasas, one of the tastes of our of what we do. Is it does it feel delightful? We learned that from Chuck. Working with Elizabeth The actors have learned exactly what she described uh, a few moments ago about welcoming the edge of what is tolerable. Mm. And the actors have taken that on, and we haven't talked about it, but I can see them doing it. They, too, have to work with intense exactitude in order to create the the... the uh, the chaos because if they're an inch off they'll get slammed by a very heavy ball that doesn't look heavy enough
3: to the
1: audience. I know I'm the way. I'm working on that. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked about this. Yeah.
2: yeah so um, it's it, it, they're actually real real stakes and I think the actors have learned from your dancers and from you to tease that edge and I think it's very healthy for all of us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Perceptions, interesting concept. Weight. You know, that's how do you how do you convey that? Well, when you realize
3: the balls are swinging, and they have certain radii, like the downstage ball is only six inches from the ground, no one can be under that, and the upstage ball is 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 fifteen inches or thirteen inches rather from the ground, and so when they swing, they get let go from the edges of the stage, they start to iterate right away, and so there are places that they would never swing that way if they weren't really heavy. And anyone who's watching that, if it was feathers, they would just kerflunk. They would get down to point zero, and they wouldn't go back the other way, and they wouldn't continue their swing. Because they're really heavy, they swing. And I don't know if the human being in the audience is going to notice that or not, but that's definitely one of the things um, that I'm, I'm counting on, even though, as I know, we have a few days before we have to open the show, I am searching on the mad search for a round, very heavy gauntlet or perhaps cannonball um, or something that looks terrifying to look at and does what we want it to do.
1: Swinging, um, it's a
3: pendulum, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's time. It's time. It's pure time. That's what that is. It doesn't just represent time, it, it is time and space. They never,
1: they never clang.
3: Not yet, no. <laughs> that would be a big error if they clang. They'd,
1: they'd be ruined. That would be ruined. The whole piece would be ruined if they... Well, we've talked a lot about what, the process itself, but um, did, 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 did any, uh, probably each one of you individually, did you, did you have an imagined result you know, um, for the for falling and loving.
3: I think Chuck does. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, no, I'm just I'm thinking something else here. I'm thinking, uh, this is uh, this is how a playwright goes to heaven, to write a bunch of text and hand it to Bogart and Streb, <laughs> and then not go to rehearsals, and they do whatever they do, and I'm trying. I'm, the trouble is I can't completely stay away, the temptation is too great, so I've come to a few rehearsals. But I'm trying to stay away from all of them so that I can come to opening night and be blown away. Uh, Because you hand a piece of text, uh, or a few pieces of text to these two, and it's amazing.
2: You did have a structure in mind First of all, Chuck's idea, which both Elizabeth and I rejected for the title of this piece, oh. <laughs> because <laughs> it's so schmaltzy, It's was love, 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 and the last love would be upside down, that's how he imagined the logo, and both of us really bristled at that, <laughs> and then I would say the biggest fights we've had, I will get back to your question, Jed, the biggest fights we've had have been over the title. I think the title is now magnificent. I think it's exactly what it needs to be. But it was the the hardest thing we actually who, had to come and to. And who thought of it? Uh, your other half, Laura, Laura Flanders, Flanders <laughs> thought of it. Who now, Yay. as she hears this, she'll hear her credit. She came up that way. We, we, we fought
3: mightily about the title. If you had a title. What was that after Boxing Love, Love, and Loving?
2: I had Boxing
1: a, and Loving was a little difficult for me.
3: Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. I thought you liked it. I thought that's why you decided to have us here.
1: No, I I Boxing I decided well. to have you here because oh, I had sugar. no idea what you would create. Okay, okay. That was that right. was simple. And I thought the only way I was ever going to find out is if in fact <laughs> I invited you here. So that
2: Great. Idea. But 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 falling in loving is the most appropriate title I can possibly imagine. No, it's, great. It's, now it's my a great favorite title. title ever. But to answer your question, Chuck did when we got together with Chuck to put together the script based on a lot of different text samples from his writing over the years, he came up with the idea of the four seasons. So and which is kind of if you think about it, if you think about uh, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, you also think of boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. It's the same kind of cycle. So it's a very uh, uh, emblematic uh, cycle that made sense to us and we did choose the text Going back to your question, how did we envision it, uh, with the sensibility towards those those four seasons, uh, starting starting with spring, then summer, then uh, what well, follows summer? Fall. Fall, winter. then winter, which is where all the arguments come in, and then spring That's where fine. you... you um, yeah, but it's, it's five because it's four seasons, starting in spring and ending in spring. Oh. So you start with hope and you end with hope, and then you mm-hmm. have everything fall apart during... The middle, which is what nature is, I would say it does to now follow that structure ish,
3: (laughs) ish. I mean, here is the crazy thing, and I was against words, really, for my whole life because they are organized in an analog way, and action is digitalized. It's rhizomatic, so you don't have to wait. It's it's sort of a Deleuzian term. He says arboreal, the trunk of the tree, and rhizomatic, the roots of the tree. How, how information knowledge is stored. But it's, so, it's sort of like a thing I thought, well, I never have words because I would slow down what we were doing and we want to go higher, faster, sooner, harder. And that is exactly what we try to do. So I thought we'd be interrupted by words. But <laughs> Chuck's words are poetic, are poetry, really. That's what they are. They get to the nugget of the meaning, the nugget of the thing. And Anne's direction is it's just impossible to comprehend how she comes up with it. And when we were in Skidmore for three weeks, I fell in love with the whole idea of the possibility of putting extreme action with language. I, I, I stand yes, corrected. I, understand, I, understand I stand
1: corrected. But I understand, however, that you're in, that's actually not totally true.
3: Do you think I'm, I'm 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 making false statements,
1: Jed? From what I understand, I understand there was at least a caveat that was. Offered to the director as you about ten days ago, um, which was that um, stream action performers may not speak.
3: Oh, I, I I did yes no I was I'm adamant about that I'm, you know and and yet here's the thing, here's the thing, um, the the actors the city actors are doing moves with the balls. The way actors would do moves with the balls. And I just saw yesterday for the first time, and Anne, I walked in from where I was before, and Anne goes, oh, I had such a surprise for you. And I'm thinking, I don't know why, but that's the first thing that came into my mind that my dancers were gonna talk. And it was beautiful. It wasn't wrong, because it was all of a oneness. And and the ultimate point is, I trust Anne and her choices, I just am mesmerized by your choices, and I, I think mesmer. When you're mesmerized with someone's choices, it means, one, you could never do them yourself, and two, it it really enlarges the scope of your being in the world.
1: So you must be very grateful to Anne that she
3: ignored you. Oh, she's not the only one who ignores me. <laughs> There's a world of people who ignore me. I'm grateful to Anne and Chuck for so many things that would be hard to list. Because I think
1: your dancer, your dancers, performers. And, have accepted language uh, as naturally as the city performers have expect, accepted the danger of maybe being walloped by uh, <laughs> forty-pound uh, cannonball. Did you see the dancers talk? I oh, heard I, guess them. I should say. Did you hear them talk? <laughs> I yeah. did. I did. And what
3: do you what do you think?
1: I, they're naturals. They're
3: naturals.
1: They're naturals. They've just expanded their palette of you know opportunity in this world.
3: Yeah, I'm
2: going to lose them to the theater world. Point. The only problem is they all want to talk now and really <laughs> they will not hold it. You, they've all memorized words, you know, and we sort of have the exact right yeah, arrangement don't. of, I'm not going okay. <laughs> to, um, But I would just say one one thing to Elizabeth's uh, compliments where she trusts my tastes. My tastes are really uh, a company's tastes. I work with a group of actors who are much um, more discriminating than I am. I, my job is I put out ideas and then they show me or tell me what works and what doesn't work, and I listen to them. So it's really a, uh, a shared brain that creates what we do. So just wanted to say that.
3: Okay,
1: okay. It's a shared experience, to yeah. say the least. Wow, yeah. total. What are you listening, what are you hearing that you haven't heard before? Mr. Me? what's challenging you today?
0: Oh, I'm thinking about something else. Um,
1: you looked uh, like, you, I have a feeling you're thinking about something else.
0: Well, Anne and I have worked together now for 30 years, and 30 years ago, the first piece we did together, um, I was with her at the rehearsals, and uh, I saw her tell the actors, okay, now take a piece of text and some sort of physical action and then some sort of visual thing, and put those three things together, that's called a composition. And they sort of derived from the play that I had given to her. And I thought, oh, this, this, and this, and that's called a composition. I could write plays like that. And that's what I've done ever since. She taught me how to write plays. Mm. And now the trouble I'm having is, I can't think of doing anything other than something that Bogart and Streb would do together. So uh, we've got to get their attention to do another four or five things here.
2: Can I take a digression (laughs) about what Chuck does as a playwright? And he knows that I'm angry about one thing with him of all the many years we've worked together, which is imagine you're in my shoes as the director and say you have a company, everybody out there who's listening. And uh, Chuck's written a play and it's called Bob Rauschenberg America. And it's got scenes in all these different orders. I don't remember. The, the numbers don't really coordinate with with the way numbers normally go. And we so I know, I
0: know what Anne's going to do. She's going to tell you what was the best scene I've ever written. Yes,
2: the best yeah. scene he's ever written, he <laughs> considers, was we got to the scene and all it said was a beating occurs. And I looked at Chuck. I said, what do you mean a beating occurs? And he shrugged like, well, I don't know, you figure it out.
0: No, he shrugged and he looked at his wrist and he said... Oh, I'm sorry, Anne, I forgot. I have a lunch date. I've got to go. <laughs> and I left the rehearsal room. So
2: so he wrote, a beating occurs. And so we, as a company, we said, okay, who's getting beaten up? Is it going to be Bondo? Okay, Bondo gets beaten up. Why is he getting beaten up? And Is everybody come in? Are we going to do, like, stage fighting or what is that? And we, you know, as, as I said, the company really pushes hard until you find something true. What we ended up with is that Bondo comes out with a... Um, garbage can and a piece of astroturf and a uh, uh, a hammer uh, not a hammer a, a, um, baseball a, bat. a baseball bat he places the garbage can to the uh, uh, aluminum garbage can on this strip of of, alumin- of um, astroturf and he beats it until it's in a pulp it's flat that is one of the most profound scenes I've ever seen and speaking of metaphor Elizabeth Streb It's completely metaphorical. Like it had all the beatings that happen in the world. It has all the violence in Mm. it. It has theatrical metaphor to its essence. Now, why I'm angry at Chuck is that when he published Bob Rauschenberg America, it now doesn't say a beating occurs, which I think it should say. It says a man pulls out a piece of AstroTurf with a, a, a oh, it's aluminum. I, oh, yeah. I think everybody working on it should have to deal with a beating occurs, and that's the genius of your writing, and I'm so pissed at you that you actually wrote what we did, because I think every company doing that play should try to figure out what it means, what it really means a beating occurs.
0: Well, they can figure out something else. That, that's my favorite scene now. So I have to put that in the script. But this is also, this is the reason I don't go to rehearsals, so that the actor and the director do whatever they want. And I'm not there to say, oh, but you know that's not what I really meant. Or to have anybody turn to me and say, Chuck, what do you think uh, in this scene, what did you have in mind? No, I'm not there to answer that question. Well, the good They news. have to figure it out, and then it's better than I could have done.
1: Well, see, I don't want any explanations at, at the Alexander Casser Theater <laughs> at all, ever. I want—I don't—I want audiences to come and have to thrash out the meaning for themselves individually, perhaps mm. collectively, for sure. Um, I don't want the—I encourage each member of the audience to make a discovery that is uh, on their own terms, based on their own life experiences. Um, that they imagine the metaphors for themselves and that the artists are not there to explain anything Mm. but to release them. What's so profound about
3: this idea is that one of the reasons, the only other time I've worked with a director was with a piece Streb did called Forces, and it was Robert Woodruff. And Mm. it it made me realize, and now this experience is, is so huge to me, because I thought, dance, why is dance... Well, in my opinion, you know, and I'm the lone wolf crying in the desert, real tears. I think dance has failed to um, inquire rigorously about time and space and forces and the things that I consider the critical factors of movement. And the notion that we don't collaborate, we choose our own music for the most part. We have our costumes. We sometimes collaborate with a composer, but sometimes we choose our own composer. And it's it's really amazing to argue and watch how what you just described about the astroturf, and a beating occurred, and the garbage can and the and the ba- baseball bat happened and evolve out of a series of people having slightly divergent opinions about what should happen at this half second, and I um, I will be forever ruined. I mean I collaborate with uh, hardware junkies because we work with invention of um, action instruments or action machines, and so I have I get out of this. Kerfunkel a little bit because of that but really uh, you know I'm ruined for life because of the richness of this collaboration and in the is agreement disagreement and all of the epiphanies that happened when I'm just when I, yesterday when I came back after being gone for a week just tell watching him, tell him where you were. I was in Paris uh, we were a part streb was a part of opening reopening the Chatelet theater um, the artistic director is Ruth Mackenzie after it being in construction for close to three years but I was so amazed at what had uh, happened since I'd been gone and what I and very very sad that I missed the, uh, the arguments and the conversations and the beautiful moments of well of course we should do that
2: I was glad you weren't there when I put in the the dancer speaking because he would have I would have gotten grief from you so no. I was really glad to do it in secret. I actually came up to all your folks and said, don't tell Elizabeth, <laughs> don't email her that anybody's speaking.
3: <laughs> no, that was good. That was good probably right Cause
1: well I, uh, well, you know uh, you may be talking about well, let me talk about rewards. I think one of the one of the things that this piece falling and loving. Offers is the process of discovery for the audience. We've talked a great deal about the process of creativity and the relationships among the three of you, Um, but actually the relationship that's the most exciting is the one we don't know, which is when um, the audience appears and um, discovers for themselves um, what creativity in our age of anxiety and angst really means, Um, that um, the forces of change are really about creative people like the three of you who are tackling the elemental subjects that make us human beings. Uh, Who are we uh, as people and who are we together and what can we make to astonish the world? And I'm so grateful that the three of you decided to come to Montclair State University, the Alexander Kasser Theater, and to bring your brand of exuberant excellence to us. Thank you. Each one of you. Elizabeth, Anne, and Chuck. See you
2: later.